This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. Today, I'm going to continue on a couple of my case studies of projects that I've worked on. And uh, this one, oh man, this one is from Central Illinois. And... It was a tough project. Um, owned this park about two years. To give you an idea of the difference between northern Illinois and southern Illinois, I have a broker that is regularly throwing me deals in southern Illinois. And I told him, I said, I made almost $450,000, $475,000 on a deal in southern Illinois, and it wasn't worth it because it took so many years off my life and my dad's life. And Uh, I'm from Illinois, and it's just that the towns in the south are a little rougher in general. Um, It was very, very challenging to find laborers, to find contractors. We had about 15 park-owned homes remodel. We brought in, we bought these homes. uh, We bought them in bulk from some developer that wanted to get rid of all the old used ones. We bought like 10 of them for 20000 and paid a guy $1,000 a piece to move them. So we had a very low basis, about 3000 a home. But what that meant was we had a really heavy workload to renovate these. And they were, to- they were toast. Some of them had been in floods. We'd replace all the underlayment floors, underbellies in the home, all the you know water lines, appliances. Had to replace some of the walls. They were rough and tumble. And... The challenge was we had to go with used homes, in my opinion, because Southern Illinois is not really a new home market. So we didn't, and Illinois has a more onerous retailer license process than most states. I mean, Illinois has more onerous processes in general, but the retailer license had some challenges um, as well. You know, for example, you have to have you know, zoning that said you can have a retail storefront or retail sales. Well, I was zoned, grandfathered in, I was zoned residential in the middle of the neighborhood but I had my mobile home park. Well, the city wouldn't give the sign-off that I it was, quote, zoned commercial or zoned in order to have retail sales, which was a requirement of the retailer's license. Um, so that was kind of a challenge. There was other training requirements and cost and bonding associated with the Illinois license. Not that uncommon, but ultimately the, the decision was made by Dad and me that we're probably not able to sell home, new homes in this market. So anyway, with all those used homes, we had to try to find handymen and contractors and vendors, and we had a heck of a time. Dozens of calls. Dad probably met 15 legitimate general contractors, you know, guys with the name of their company on the side of their truck. Those guys would show up even. They'd show up, they'd say, look you in the eye and say, I'll give you a bid, yeah, give me a day or two to put my numbers together. Crickets. They wouldn't bid. It was unbelievable. Um, We'd have guys that would bid it finally, and then they would say, oh, I'm booked out two weeks. Now two more weeks, and they just disappear. We went through so many handymen um, on this park. But anyway, I ended up making money on it. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about how that works. So first off, how do we find it? Well, mobile home store, 
www.mobilepark.com uh, or mobileparkstore.com. Uh, I, I used to look at those listings every morning at 7 o'clock. They'd go live yeah, for the day, and I'd look at them, and if there's any, most of them I just real cursory review. Okay, it's in Ohio. I'm not looking for Ohio. It's in Arizona. I'm not looking for Arizona. This one was, it's in Illinois. Okay. And I did a quick economics metrics on it, and it seemed to be reasonably priced. It was listed at 450000 It was 65 lots. About 35-ish were occupied. It was kind of a gray number because the owners were uh, three children that were grown children who inherited this from their parents from years earlier, and they were all over the country, like, I don't know, Ohio, Indiana, and California. They didn't want the property. They couldn't really get along. They were difficult. But so I had I had a, a lack of good information. So I was like, I think there's about 35 homes. Um, we didn't know how many were paying at that time. So it was 450. Uh, it was a residential uh, land broker uh, for his first MHP listing. So he didn't have a lot of the information that you know normally you would see from a broker in, in part because again the the seller was really kind of out to lunch. So. Got the deal tied up for about three forty-five. Um, right in the first week was on the market, so got it well below list. Thought it was a decent deal. Started kicking the tires on it, and spent some money on it. Got a survey, you know, got some got a title commitment uh, or preliminary title commitment. Looked at the uh, exception documents to the title review, and uh, started looking around the market, and realized looking through seller financials that this park was not being optimally managed and there were only about 20 25 maybe customers were paying my memory is a little foggy but there were i think there were five people who had not paid rent in over a year and this is back in 2018 early 2018 so before the no it would have been yeah, but 2018. So before the pandemic and all that. So the people weren't paying. And there was one person that hadn't paid in 62 months. It was crazy. Um, there were, at one point, six individual homes that had uh, neo-Nazi you know, swastika flags hanging from the roofs. So I was like, okay, this is a little scary. Uh, that should have probably been you know, a reason to bail, to be honest, because that told me that my clientele were a little... Uh, rougher than I would have wanted and uh, we had pit bulls all over our manager later hired a manager there it turns out he was breeding pit bulls and he you know was making a bunch of money on it actually um, but anyway it just made it just made for an uphill battle so what we had it we had it tied up at 345 we started finding all these problems it was too great of a difference in price to retrade the deal so we we didn't even retrade price. We just said we're dropping the contract. So we dropped the contract. Seller's mad, but we'd, we'd kicked the tires on it, done a lot of work. We also found out that there were about, I have to think about it, call it 30 vacant lots, and, a, and about half of those, um, in, the, in the two main streets, about half of those had a gas line that was running right down the middle of the lot. Well, I had determined that the easement said the gas line was supposed to be in the alleyway between the homes. So the, the actual lines of where the, I could tell when I was on site that the gas risers were going from home to home, kind of taking the shortest distance between two points, which was cheating. Instead of going to the easement, down to the home, back to the easement, down, back to the home, oh, repeat. So the gas company over time had taken a shortcut, which was a problem for me because I wanted to infill those lots. 
you can't put a home on top of a gas line. You drill your drill into the earth to put your concrete in, you're going to blow up. So I was fighting with Amron, the utility company, and I said, you got to move them. They said, you got to move them. I said, they're in the wrong spot. They're in violation of the easement. So this was a, you know, a good reason to read your title work. And it was a $95,000 relocation cost. So obviously on a deal of this size, that was substantial. And I don't want to pay for it. So in the meantime, I'm not getting, getting very far with them. Other hair on the deal, we just dropped the contract. Well, wouldn't you have it? The next guy did the same thing, and the next guy, and the next guy. So the, the seller's pissed, um, but they knew that Dad and I had actually put some energy into some time into this. So they just said, we want to get rid of it. They called back and said, you've looked at this deal the hardest. Make us an offer. What's your highest and best offer? And in the meantime, when I'm out of contract, right about the same time, Amron calls me back and says they want to continue to talk about the utility lines because they recognize it's a problem and they want me to pay for it. We get out there with the surveyor title. I was I was remote because I didn't even have a contract, actually. Um, but I was looking at the survey. Survey was on site. Utility company's on site. Somebody from gas, somebody from electric. Long story short, they said, you got to move them. I said, look, when, when somebody blows up, who are they going to sue? Probably all of us, but they're going to sue the deepest pockets, and that's you guys. And you guys are on written legal notice from a lawyer that your your gas lines are in, a, in the wrong spot, illegally placed. So you need to move them. And that did the trick, and they caved, and they said, fine, we'll move them, but we need like six weeks or eight weeks or something. I said, I don't care. Well, and, the, and then right about that time, the deal fell back in my lap. And, and that was a lesson learned was I, you know, I, I dropped the deal gracefully and, and respectively. So then they brought it back to me. So I said, I now have this new information that utility lines weren't as big a problem as I had previously thought they were, or as I previously had told the seller because it, new information came to me. So I just kind of dumb luck on the timing. And I told them, I said, I'll uh, pay 120 cash, you know, close in 10 days. And I put up a hundred thousand earnest money, which let them know I was serious. And they said, make it 135. I said, deal. So 10, 15 days later, we closed on the deal for 135000 So lesson learned here is I bought it right. If you buy it right, you, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell or when you refinance. So we had, a, we had a low basis in the property. And then we spent a bunch of money. We trimmed, I think it was 65 tons of trees that got taken down. We repaved the streets. Uh, we painted, a, I don't know, I don't say every house, but pretty much every house. We demoed a few houses. We had to buy some houses on tax sale. Uh, we had a, a couple more abandoned. Um, and we brought in a bunch of houses and renovated them. And it was a labor of love, let me tell you. And we increased the rent. Rent was 122 The oldest lease I saw was nine years old. And the rent was 122 nine years ago, but I suspect it was, it was uh, 122 for much longer. So, I mean, market rent was about 200 So we took the rent. We, we improved the park immediately. The first two weeks, spent a bunch of money on it. I don't know, 75000 or something like that uh, on the park. And then we sent out a rent increase notice, and nobody even complained. And they realized we went from 122 to 180 So huge increase. Generally, don't try to increase that much. But this was so below market, and the park was so rough. And we did so much. We put in a playground, and you know, we did a bunch of other stuff that just made it look a lot better immediately. So nobody even complained. And we ended up getting everybody but about three people to pay. And the ones that didn't, we bought their houses off of them for 100 bucks, and demoed them or gave them away to the next guy. 
And the lady that hadn't paid in 62 months, well, you know, she started paying. You know, her story was, I've got cancer. Well, she, I don't even know if she ever actually had cancer. But she'd been telling the, everybody in the park who'd listened for the last five years, oh, I've got cancer. I mean, so that was her That was her excuse. That was that was the excuse before you could say COVID is the excuse to everything. So anyway, we fixed the roads. We improved the curb appeal. We improved the tenant quality, improved the home quality. We increased occupancy. We increased the rents. But you know what? A lesson learned on this deal was, you know, pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. We didn't need to be hogs in this. We, had, we, we bought it right. We put about 250000 of cash in this deal. And like you know what, this is gonna kill us chasing these skinheads around, um, trying to get them to fall in line. And like if, I don't think I'm gonna die on a job, but I, but I mean, I told my dad, if you ever die on the job, it's gonna be at this trailer park. And we had a guy, he was a sex offender, took forever to get rid of him. He'd been through the court system, so he knew when you went to evict him, you could ask for a jury trial, and he just made this thing a huge nightmare. And um. He was sleeping with any girl he could get near him, and apparently there was a 16-year-old girl who lived in the park, and her twin 16-year-old brother was aware that this 45-year-old sex offender was sleeping with his sister. So he went into his house and took a baseball bat and hit him over the head like 15 times with a baseball bat. Um, this is as I'm getting ready to list this park for sale. And I'm like, it's going to really ruin my sale, among other things. That, Per person be murdered in this park, and it, it wouldn't murder like drive-by shooting, bad gang neighborhood. It was with a baseball bat, but it was going to sound the same. So the guy didn't die. He went to got in a, he had a coma. He had a bunch of staples in his head. It was in it was, out, it was knocked out for several days. It was in the hospital for several weeks, and he gets out. He starts carrying a baseball bat around. So I got two guys walking around baseball bats, just kind of puffing their chests out, and the local police were worthless. We're like, guys, please, there's going to be a murder. These guys are beating each other to death. And they're like, well, if you catch him in the act, we'll, uh, we'll come call us. There were drugs going on. Like, they're like, well, if you catch him in the act, the city just didn't want to, uh, they didn't want to do anything. We tried to hire off-duty cops, off-duty sheriff, deputies. They're like, nope, we're not interested. You know, some cities will let you do it at a high rate. Some will let you do it at a reasonable rate. These guys wouldn't even try. So anyway, we decided that... We got up to about 51. It took them like 25 or so paying loss to 51. And, you know, it was valued a lot higher. We thought it was valued in the 8s, 900s. You know, we bought it for 135. This is all in about 18 months. So we ended up letting it go, sold the deal for 905. Uh, had to pay commissions and stuff and closing costs so that it wasn't all profit. But you made about $450,000, $475,000. So a lot of cash. Um, took some years off our life unfortunately but one of the lessons learned was you know what leave some meat on the bone for the next guy the next guy was able to you know he's bought it from us brought in some more houses he's gonna he's gonna sell it probably in a couple years for definitely north of a million so good for him so I, I hate to give up on a project but I also recognized this project is taking up so much time and so much energy and we had people that, you know, if you tried to evict them, they'd call the attorney general and say that you were selling homes with black mold, things like that, which wasn't the case. We had two attorney general complaints we had to fight through, got through those. We had a bunch of evictions. And this is one of those, you know, people think this is a passive business. It's not. Or people, it's, it's get rich quick or get rich easy. It's not. Uh, especially rural markets. Uh, Southern Illinois was, was tough. Um, I've got other parks. I think I still have three parks in Illinois um, and one in the St. Louis metro 
but I'm okay with Illinois. But the further south you go, the tougher the tougher it is. Let's be honest, as is obvious and evident from this this little podcast here. But uh, overall, we did the regular blocking tackling. You know, the we didn't have to sub meter this, which was great. It was direct Bill Water Sewer, um, so city utility. So that was good. Uh, another little fun tidbit: we when we were in our due diligence, we noticed there was, there was no snowplow costs. So we're like. Maybe the city plows the streets because the streets were, um, some of them were private, but the outer boundary street was a public street. So we're like, maybe the city just plows all the streets, and we don't want to tip off the snowplow company or snowplow department that uh, this is not city streets. So when the first snow came, we had we had a snowplow guy on the ready, but we told him, do our plow last. And we said, why? So because the city might do for free. We might call you off. So we wait and we wait and we wait. It's like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. There's like five inches of snow. And finally, we're like, okay, the city's not coming. So we hired a guy, you know, 300 bucks. Okay, that stinks. So we asked the old uh, manager who we had replaced. And we, I don't know why we didn't ask him earlier, but we asked him. His name was Barry. But Barry, there's nothing in the last three years financials about snowplow. Who plowed the streets? Did you plow them, like, at no cost? Or he said, well, nobody plowed them. That's what do you mean nobody plowed them? Like, it snows in Illinois nine inches sometimes. And he's like, yeah, I mean, if it snows, you just you can't go to work for a few days. I was like, wow. So the last owner, I thought they were just, the city was doing free. They just weren't plowing the snow. That was how much they were, um, you know, just leaving this park to be. There was a slide, and they had a playground. You climb up the ladder to the slide, and the slide was gone. It had fallen over. So basically, you have just like a, a diving board, if you will, in the middle of the playground. So lots of safety issues um, in this place. But overall, we got it done. Oh, here's another. Man, I think about this nightmare. We got a, we got a phase one, right? We bought this park. We always get a phase one. It came back clean. No big deal. We go to sell it. I tell the buyer, look, there's no need for you to pay for your own phase one. I'll pay my company to update it, 250 bucks instead of paying three grand. He's like, well, I don't, I don't trust your company. I'm like, it's not like I own the company. It's some engineering company. Um, so he gets a different company, fails the phase one. I call my guy and say, what the heck? He goes, well, it was a, it was an on-the-fence deal. I was probably a little aggressive. But, uh, yeah, I can see where the other guy says this. You should probably do a phase two. So I'm sitting here under contract, going to make nearly half a million dollars, and I might, I might have a phase two problem. So, of course, the seller wants me to pay, or the buyer wants me to pay for it. So we, we ended up having to pay for um, phase two, and then we had to dig and do some core samples and borings and crap. And ultimately, it came out fine. It cost me an extra three or $4,000, but that was just like the cherry on top of the deal that gave me gray hair. Uh, but all in all, nobody was killed. There were no more violent fights. Uh, there were no more sex offenses. There were no more drugs. And we improved this community and made some money in the process and got out alive. So anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Until next time, be safe. God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.